Blog Talk Radio. And welcome to Let's Talk TV Live. Um, I'm your host, Barbara Barnett, publisher and executive editor of Blog Critics Magazine. And I am joined tonight uh, by Chrissy. Hi, Chrissy. Christine Piccolo. Hi, how are you? How good. are you? Happy, good, good. Happy Hanukkah. <laughs> Thank you. It is the first night put on your yarmulke. It's time for Hanukkah. Take out your harmonica and have a happy, happy Hanukkah. Thank you, Adam Sandler. Yes, um, Adam Sandler. That is Adam Sandler. That is like that is like the best Hanukkah song ever. Um, I agree. It really is. And if there weren't copyright <laughs> issues, I would just like be playing it on a track because it is like, such a I awesome. know, right? <laughs> awesome, 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 awesome songs. Um, he's got like two Hanukkah songs. Um, as much as I dislike Adam Sandler's, um, Adam Sandler's like acting <laughs> and his oh, movies, I totally respect him as a fellow Jewish person because his Hanukkah songs are like awesome. So, and, um, you know, well, when he did them on Saturday Night Live, it was epic. <laughs> oh, totally, totally, totally. So, yeah, and it's like this whole list of who is and who isn't, and it's like who's an MOT. So I have to explain mm-hmm. MOT means member of the tribe. Who's an MOT and who's not an <laughs> MOT? And, um, of course, Adam Sandler is very definitely an MOT, um, oh. whereas – and and you know John Stewart is an MOT, but Stephen Colbert is not an MOT. So <laughs> like, although he could be because he knows a lot. Um, anyway, so it's Hanukkah. It's the first night. I'm looking at my menorah, my Hanukkah that's sitting up on our microwave oven, and uh, so it doesn't trip candle wax all over my three thousand dollar dining room table. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> This is like an antique. It's like a not. It's an not an antique, but it looks like an antique. It's like it's a really nice table, um, <clears throat> and um, so I don't like it to drip wax all over the place because it'll ruin the finish. Even though there's a tablecloth on it, it'll like the wax is really nasty. Anyway, so it's sitting up there tonight. It it, it this is the first night of the Festival of Light. Um, mm-hmm. So the official greeting, aside from Happy Hanukkah, is Hag Urim Sameach, which means Happy Festival of Light. Awesome. Actually, Happy Festival of Lights, plural. So it is the season, and often Hanukkah comes right around the time of Christmas. This year, it is um, Hanukkah falls so that it is over Christmas Eve. Mm-hmm. And last year, Hanukkah was so early, it coincided with Thanksgiving and became thanksgiving Oh, that's funny. I didn't realize that. Yeah, we celebrated thanksgiving and people had, like, um, all kinds of, like, crossover stuff. It was fun. It was fun. <laughs> it only ha- it won't happen again for another 9,000 years or something. I don't know what the exact math was. But it won't happen again in, in any of our lifetimes. So, sigh. But anyway, it's fun. Sometimes Hanukkah is so late, it doesn't start till after Christmas. So you can actually wait until, like, the day after Christmas sales to, like, buy presents for people. So that's fun. Ooh. Anyway, 
so it is Hanukkah, and um, so we're going to go like an hour tonight because like all our shows are in hiatus or haven't started yet. I know. So, um, but I do, did want to come on the air and talk about the Once Upon a Time season finale, and I also want to talk about The Walking Dead. So, um, and I'm like so into The Walking Dead these days. My husband is smirking at me. <laughs> He's walking well, I'm just glad we finally got you to watch it, because you can never give me that you're not watching it. you got to watch it. You'll love it. And we were right. <laughs> Phil was, like, standing on the landing between our first and second floor, and he was, like, doing the zombie. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Okay. So, um, yeah, I, you know, and I'm trying to figure out why it is I love The Walking Dead so much. It's, like, so good and so well-written, although it's, like, a lot of critics don't, like, get it quite, I guess. Which I don't understand that. I mean, honestly, it, the thing with The Walking Dead, at least in my eyes, <clears throat> it takes you on a journey emotionally, yeah. physically, you know, mentally, and and the characters are so well developed, and they they they've they've really um, evolved over the last five seasons. So yeah, um, I I don't understand what the problem is. I mean, I, I don't understand. Yeah. What could, you know, what are they looking for? I mean, what more? Yeah, they, I, yeah. I don't know. It's it's. It, no, I don't love all the characters. You know, and there's certain storylines. I'm like, okay, fine, whatever. Let's get going with right, it. Right. Right. I mean, I could do without Maggie and Glenn. Um, yeah, see, and I like them. I'm they're okay, and it's kind of like this nice little, as Daryl would say, romance novel. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> right? Seriously, right? Yeah. You would say, oh, it's a romance novel. <clears throat> yeah. Because we know he's not all about the romance. No. Um, which is what I love about Daryl. He's like so not, you know, it's like he's like a stoic <laughs> yeah. character. He's like really stoic you know he is like such a hero and what I love about what I love about him is he's like this reluctant really reluctant hero and um who's emerged in the aftermath of this horror and just like Carol you know and and Carol is another one she and Daryl are like two people who've been victims and and downtrodden and stomped on their whole lives and in this horror you know there's so much bad stuff has been done to them already that as horrible as this is the psychological trauma that they had already experienced couldn't be worse than this you know almost right so they're they have this these defenses um, these internal resources that allow them to um, transcend their environment, you know. And I, I've been thinking a lot about that. I'm writing an article about Daryl mm-hmm. because I'm so fascinated by his character, and I just so love the way Norman Reedus plays him. Oh, and the more, yeah. I, the more I learn about um, Reedus's interpretation of Daryl, mm-hmm. the more I'm impressed not only with the character, but with the actor, so. Well, yeah, I mean, you could you could totally, I mean, seriously, like, we talked about this a little earlier, how, it, you know, when, you, when they 
when he first shows up, he's, he's you know he's fighting with everybody. He's very volatile. He's, he's aggressive. Mm-hmm. Of course, you know he's mad about Meryl and that, and you know all of that. But um, you know he could have just been a complete jerk. You know what I mean? Like right. he could have gone that route. Um, but I love that you know they didn't do that with him and. Um, the other thing that I'm, I'm, because I'm rewatching um, the season two. I'm, I'm in the middle of season two right now, but rewatching that one. But, um, but I just love how, you know, he's he's there for Carol, you know, looking for her daughter. You know, there's that a, in one episode where she's crying, and he, you know, he goes and he, he, he goes, him and Andrea, they go out looking for. Right. You know, he's just so um, different than what. I initially thought he would be when we mm-hmm. first saw him. And then, you know, obviously they've both been abused. And so I'm anxious for him because I think, like I was saying to you, I think that I think that Carol has sort of dealt with her demons and now Daryl needs to. And I think that she's going to be the one that's going to help him, you know, do that, get over right. it or, or, you know, well, kind of. Well, in a, in a way, in a way, in season four, where in the episode still, which is such a great episode, yeah. um, in the aftermath of the prison, and um, right. and he and Bath are stuck together, and I love um, it. And they're at this uh, shack, and when they burn it down at the end, in a way, oh. Bath is trying to help Daryl really yeah. burn away those demons, and of course. He feels, you know, now now Beth is dead. So um, I think he's going to feel really responsible for it. But he, I don't think yeah. he has completely dealt with um, with his demons. Um, although that was a good stab at it. Um, you know, he was finally able to release some of that um, pain. Right, which was yeah, lovely. They flipped it off, you know, as they were leaving. I mean, it was just, yeah. it was one of those moments where, like, yeah, well, you know, I, yeah, I, obviously going forward, he's going to be just devastated um, about yeah. Beth. And I, I I, really think that, I mean, we all know Maggie's going to have a tough time, but I, I really think that he's going to feel responsible for, yeah. you know, yeah. losing her and, you know, wherever she ended up. And, you know, I, it's just, I still can't get over that scene. I'm sorry. I just, I really, I mean, I knew when Beth took those scissors that she was, you know, who, she was, you know, was going to definitely, yeah, going to attack the woman. But, I mean, I, and even when we were watching it, you know, you sort of hear a gun go off, but don't really realize until they come back down. And she's like, it just, it just went off, you know, and. I love that he he stepped forward and took that kill shot because um, mm-hmm. John deserved it at that. I mean, oh you know, yeah. Uh, but it's yeah. Just so you know, like I said, I've said is I, that the picture of him walking out with Beth. I think that's going to be the iconic picture of the Walking Dead series because Could you, be. it's something that you'll never forget. I mean, I when I think back on the Walking Dead, that's that's probably what I will immediately go to um, forever, I think, just because it was so... We don't know. Oh. We don't know what, what's around the horizon, what's around the corner. True, true. By the way, if, anyone's, a, listen, a if anyone's listening in and wants to call in, the number is 646-595-3195, 
or if you happen to be in the chat room, you can just Skype in, um, which is fine too. But 646-595-3195 to call in, to listen, to chat with us about. And tonight we're going to be talking about The Walking Dead, as we are. We're going to be talking about the Once Upon a Time uh, season finale and what's coming up next um, on that oh, show. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord is right. And, uh, That's all I have to say. <laughs> Yeah, let's talk oh. about that a little bit. So I oh, I wrote, I you know, I sat down and I, you know, I had said I wasn't going to write any more reviews um, about Once Upon a Time. And I watched the finale and I felt at the end it was interesting because everything that Belle was saying to Rumble at the end I felt mm-hmm. she was almost like an avatar for all of us. Yes. Because she had believed that there was something, some streak of humanity in it. And I I still think there is. And, you know, the the crazy thing is, and, and I've heard Adam and Eddie say going forward into season 4B, um, that Rumpel is the quote-unquote big bad of season 4 yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Um I just want to cry. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, they keep pushing the idea. Rumpel's always been about the power, and people who have tried to read into him that he's got this humanity have just been reading into something that isn't there. And it's for him, it's always been about the power, <clears throat> power versus, um, you know, his his love, and power always wins. And he's, But it's like, no. And and right. I'm not saying he's a good man. You know, I'm saying that he is a dark one, right? And there is bad in him. There's no question. He had turned a corner. And, yes, the thing is that he should always be struggling with that. And what ended up happening this season after starting it out with this sense of struggle in, with Balefire's death. I don't death. know why even they bothered with that whole Yeah, thing. I don't know why they even episode. went there. I would It would have Honestly. actually made more sense if they hadn't. Yeah. Because I what agree. the hell was that all about? Um, I mean, it makes no sense. It, does make, it makes I, I, no sense in light of everything else that happens during the season. No, um, right. Because he makes all of these promises and he wants to do well, yet he immediately slips into evil mode and and I've said this over and over is one of the things we don't get this season and I think it's because they have really gone away from their core characters is seeing anything out of Rumpel's point of view we see no struggle we see no um, sense that there's a struggle between his love for Belle and his commitment to Balefire on the one side, and his desire to no longer be the victim. And I and I get that Rumpel doesn't want to be under anyone's power anymore, including the daggers. And I get that. I totally understand. Yeah, me too. And but if that means using it. the hat to free himself, I get that. What I yeah. don't get, and I and I think that's a fabulous arc for him. The problem with it is that we didn't get any of the 
other part of it. You know, we just got this right. this bad guy, and there's no and and I don't know if it's the writing, I don't know if it's the direction, I don't know if it's that Carlisle has finally said, you know what, I don't really care anymore. But we're not getting that that sense behind the you know I, I always go back to the his first scene in season one mm-hmm. when he's in the jail and he's crazy yep. right he's a lunatic right. he's a maniac he's insane scary <laughs> scary but what brought yeah. what but you can't take your eyes off of his eyes why because there is such pain. Right. In those eyes. And struggle behind it. Like you see that. You right. See Even that. though he's crazy. What is going on behind there? What how many hundreds of years of pain is there? And it's there. It's there. It's there. It's there. There's no words. There's no scene. There's no it's just there. And I want to go back to um and and Keep talking about um, what you uh, what your thoughts are on well, the season I mean, finale. My, well, my thoughts are are you know I you know you're talking about yeah going back to season one. I mean the bottom line is is that Russell Silkin was not a bad person. Okay, before he turned into the dark one, right? He was a coward. He had been beat up. He'd been you know he's tired of getting getting the shaft and always. You know, he can try and save Bay from, you know, having to go off and fight in the Ogre Wars. Um, and then he becomes the Dark One. And the moment that he lets go of Bay, from that moment on, his entire existence as the Dark One slash Rumpelstiltskin, the father, was to get back to Bay. Every manipulation, every plan, every spell, every single thing was about that. He, yes, he struggled with, you know, wanting the power, wanting not to let go of the dark one, I think is mainly what it is. It's not so much that he wants the, you know, that he he really wants the power, power, in my eyes anyway. I just feel like he's just afraid to go back to his old self. And so, and I, and so there's that. But then I understand, you know, yeah, he was caged up by the Wicked Witch. Uh, and yeah, he was definitely going crazy. I mean, she, you know, in his mind and everything. But the beginning of this season, you know, we have this beautiful, you know, effigy, whatever, at Bayfire's at um, grave site. And then he completely does the opposite of what he just does to Bay. And from then on, we don't see any struggle. Like, there is no struggle mm-hmm. within him, whether he's doing right or wrong. I understand like you do. I get that he doesn't want anybody to be able to control him again, and I understand that whole thing with the hat. I get that. That makes sense to me. But what, who we have seen this season is not – we haven't seen the struggle within him. There, it's just been very cut and dry. He is, you know, he just wants the power, and that's what he wants. Now, when Adam and Eddie are doing these interviews and they're talking, oh, no, you know, he's always been bad or uh, bringing up the whole, you know, being uh, being captured by the Wicked Witch, but they, never, they never indicated throughout this entire first half of the season that he was, you know, that he might be a little bit off because of that. There was no hint of that. 
And I, I honestly, I, I don't understand them saying that, oh, he's, he's always been bad. No, he wasn't. He's the dark one. But mm-hmm. at the core, is not a bad person. He's a bad person because he's the dark one. There were reasons right. for all of his actions throughout the entire series, up until now. It's so frustrating. Um, the and the other thing, thing is, you know, something that just occurred to me, so mm-hmm. he's now in a land without magic, right? He's in New right. York. He's not the right. dark one out there. Right. He can't be. He has no magic. Well, no, he has no magic. He has nothing. That's, that's the thing. And, you know, so now, okay, so he, he's, he can't go back to Storybrooke, apparently. He's got no power. And Bell holds the dagger, so he can't, he, he won't ever be able to go back. So now what? What is he? And then, and then to have, I'm sorry, Corella DeVille is just, I, she is not part of a fairy tale or folklore, you know, story. She's not. She is a Disney character and does not belong on Once Upon a Time, unless, apparently, according to, I'm guessing, ABC executives or ABC Disney, maybe they are, you know, ordering them to Disney-fy it. You know, that was one of the things, the, the quaintness, the, the um, I don't know how to say it, but the... Um, you know, just the essence of what the show was in season one, it has it's just totally not that right now. I mean, let's put right. aside the Frozen. The, our core characters, the most people that we're seeing is Emma and Huck. You know, Snow and and um and Charming, whatever, David and Mary Margaret, they're like, you know, I don't even know. They started out as the, the center of the show from the first season, and now they're relegated to the back. I don't understand what they're doing. And and now they're going to have Rumpelstiltskin be the big bad, uh, the really big bad, with no struggle. I mean, I will say this in the mid-season finale, it was wonderful to see, even back then, when, you know, uh, Cruella and Melissa Fintner, so they have Belle, you know, he, you see that struggle because he does love, he has love for Belle, and you saw that. It was the first mm-hmm. amount of struggle that I've seen this season from him. Um, and now it's just he's lost everything. And even if you try to do a redemption story at this point, it's not going to work. It, it really, I can't see it working. Um, right. I mean, unless he, unless he completely gives his life and is, is completely gone forever. I mean, that's the only way that that would ever happen, which is sad, because that's not the rumple that we love. And, and I love the line that Bell, that Bell said, you know, all this time, you know, I what was it? it was like I didn't see the um, you know all this time I I refused to see the the beast behind the man, but now I just see the beast. It was so you know it was really sad, and uh, I just I, it's really maddening. It, it and it's sad, and it really it bothers me because um, you know my my friend Dania and I we were just I mean in as enveloped as I am with Sleepy Hollow. I mean as crazy as I am with Sleepy Hollow, I was about Once Upon a Time. I mean, we dissected it. We loved it. The characters were so rich, and it was so exciting to watch every week. They were all, they had depth to them. There were layers to them. And now it's just right. face value, face value. And that's sad because it, it doesn't do justice to the even the actors, the actors that are on the show. I mean, I, right. you know, 
it's just it, it's really depressing when we see where it was to what it is now. And um, I just you know I just really wish they would you know stay true to, to the format of the original season and go back to that because that's what we all loved. I mean the ratings the ratings were what down one point seven. That's that's an all time low for them. I mean yeah it really yeah, it it really, really is. Um, and I'm wondering, you know, I'm wondering what's, you know, obviously Once Upon a Time is really uh, a cash cow for Disney in a lot of ways. Yeah. And, um, you know, it'll never get canceled just because I it is a one hour, it's a one hour advertisement for Disney. No matter well, how, you know, true. whether it's a good, you know, whether it's it's in its heyday, you know, really terrific show and a lot of fun or whether it's, you know, become, whether it's a, you know, a, a, an advertisement for Frozen, um, it's always going to be that promotional piece for Disney. Talk about product placement. Right. Um, and, you know, and, and for, for better or for worse, I mean, okay, fine, whatever. That's cool if Disney wants to use that, but I think so. I don't think it's going to get canceled. But what I think has happened, and one of the reasons I think the um, the ratings slipped so far, is I think they were going to slip already, and then mm-hmm. the Frozen thing came in, and it got all of these new fans for the Frozen storyline. Right. And now that Frozen thing is going to go away. Unless they unless they decide to bring them back, yeah. which they may they do. Could. I mean, you they know, could. I think it's up to the executives, unfortunately, because yeah. uh, I, you know, I refuse to believe that Adam and Eddie, the creators of Lost, who kept us captivated for six years. I mean, I was enthralled in that show. I loved it. You know, it was just so much fun to watch and try and figure out what, what is this, what is that characters, everything they went through. I I really feel that, you know, to a certain extent that their hands are tied. And it's sad. Sad. It's sad that that uh money is running the show, obviously. I mean I we mean, don't know that. We we and I have to I have to caveat well, that. We don't know that, but that's we don't what know it that feels for sure. Like. We don't know that for that's sure. What it feels like. Um you know, it, it does have that feel. Um, especially with the Frozen thing, no matter what Adam and Eddie yeah. said. Um, right. But I, you know, and I think, you know, it, what one of the interesting things is you have Regina, who I is... I loved her storyline this year, actually. Yeah, I did. Her storyline with Robin was fantastic. And she redeemed herself. She's completely redeemed. Yeah. She's completely changed as a person. Um, I you know, that is that comment is that the, she made to... Re- Crumple in the car. You know, I thought you had changed. And he's like, oh, you know, nope, I didn't change. You know, you don't get any. The villains always lose. I'm like, oh, yeah. my God. So now it's going to be the villain. You know, villains always lose. So I don't yeah, know. It's I don't know. I'm, I'm sure. You know what I would love to see on Once Upon a Time come um, their return in March? Never get. We're never going to see it. But if you guys are listening, um, Adam and Eddie and Jane and any of you guys, I doubt they're listening. But what I would love to see is an episode dedicated to seeing Rumpelstiltskin in New York, no magic, 
and how he gets by on his wits. Well, now he's got Erskine. But none of them have uh, any. They don't have any, but they have no magic. Right, but they'll figure something out. Somebody will have a magic bean, or they'll they'll figure something out. They got no magic. It's a land without magic. Yeah, supposedly. But right, it's a, realm. it's a realm without magic. That was the whole point. Now, if they find that there's magic in New York, that actually um, subverts the, the entire premise of the show, which was right. that the whole point of the curse, the Balefire went through the portal to a land without magic. Right. Right? So. Right. If there's magic, then the realm is a false realm. I mean, it, it makes no logic, mo- no logical sense within the logic well, of the series. No, well, there's no way they're going to get out of it unless they figure out a way to harness magic. I mean, there, there's no way for, them to get back, for him to even get back to uh, fairy tale land. I mean, there's no to the enchanted forest, whatever. There's no now, what he said was back. they have to find the author. They have to find the author in order to change the story. Right. So, you know, that's that's the key. I think that's going to be well, Rumpel's story. Um, write it all in. I mean, so I don't know. I'm I'm cur- I am curious. As I as I said in my review, I wasn't satisfied, but I was curious. Yeah. I am curious. I mean, I, and I think that um I do think that. Uh, the whole author thing is very interesting in that, you know, Henry found the the room with all the empty books. Uh, so the question is, who, who's the author? And I really think it would be, it, it would be incredible for them to go on this journey and realize that, you know, I am the author of my own destiny. And I mean, that's right. what, and Which is where a I, lot of the kids that watch the show, um, it would serve as, you know, sort of something like, you know, a, um, you know, hey, you know, only you are in charge of your destiny, you know, no matter where well, you, you know. And that's totally where I thought they were going with um, with Regina. Mm. That that was in, um, that that was um, uh, really part of it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So, and she so I wanna, I'm worried... I'm worried about Robin, though. Robin and his, you know, I hope we get to see him. See, my thinking is, is that Robin is going to run into Rumpel, in the, you know, because they're, cause they're across the border, you know, out there, too. So hopefully, you know, hopefully it would be interesting to see their interaction, you know. I mean, I so really I wanna... like Robin and Regina. Anyway. Um. I want to um, go through some of the. I've gotten a huge number of comments on my uh, review. On your article. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I got. Oh, I got a nasty one. Oh my gosh. Don't okay, I'm gonna read this. I'm gonna. I'm gonna read this. This was. This is a nasty one. Oh Ooh. no. Okay. Well, this might be the worst review I've read in a long time. Talk about not getting the character at all. Did you conveniently forget? the first three seasons, the sacrificing himself for those he yet loves. Did you forget what happened to him last season? That's not something one comes back from easily 
And still beneath it all, he is a man doing all of this out of fear and love. He wants to protect those he loves, and he is desperately afraid to lose the power, as he thinks it is the only way to protect him. But, you know, he's just a cold-blooded man. Ha! That she didn't read the article. No. He's not, not cold-blooded. That's the whole point. That's the whole oh, Yes, exactly. Oh. See, I hate when they don't read it all and they write this diatribe. I've I've had that one. But like some of my creepy hollow ones, and they're just like, I'm like, oh my god, are they? Did they read the whole thing? Because I don't think they did. <laughs> no, he's right. not. He's not cold, and he's not. That's our whole point. Our whole point is that from the moment that we've seen him on our screen, he's been he's been a character with a purpose. You know, the reasons, there were reasons behind he was, you know, all the manipulations and everything. And he, we could clearly see a struggle within him. It's almost right. like a struggle between him being the dark one and his true self. His true self is, you know, he's not a, a bad person, you know, before he became the dark one. And my, and our point is, and the reason that I'm so angry is that if they were going to have it be, that the Wicked Witch, you know, locking him up and losing that control made him a little nuts, should have written it in as at least one scene or two scenes or at least, you know, or at least, you know, mentioned it in some fashion because that's not really the way it's been. That's not how it was written. And, um, you know, and and besides, you know, I'm I'm not even talking about the Rumbell and all that. I'm just talking about him as a character and the way that they've written him. And from day one, like I said, everything he always did was for a purpose, and it was for family as well. You know, everything that he did was trying to get back to his son. And yes, he, he had this power, and uh, you know, he used it to the, to his advantage. And so, you know, and he makes deals, and he and he finagled, but it was always for a purpose, and that was the purpose. And so now. The way that he's acting is just it's just pure 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 evil, you know. So, um, so I, I want to address I, I want to address something else about the town line. Mm-hmm. So one of the things yeah. I said in my article was you cross the town line, you're supposed to forget your memories. That was the whole point, right? right. After the curse was and how many ever curses it was ago. Um right. and um, so he crosses the town line. Isn't he supposed to lose his memories of, you know, fairy tale land? No, 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 no not this. That's time never been around. addressed. Yeah, but not this time around. This time they don't forget, but they just can't come back. That was because of. Um, wasn't that because of the uh, of Queenie's? Um, Queenie's the one that put that at the border. I don't think the. Which queen? The, the snow, snow queen, queen or the... The snow queen. The snow well, I don't queen. think it was ever said. I guess I she, just maybe assumed that, but that's what I thought. She put a wall there. It didn't eradicate the other curse. It didn't erase the curse. Well, that's true. I don't right? know Right, because in order for well, Rumpel no, to have gone... No, right? wait a minute. You know, when, when the first... When the... Well, okay, the second season, they came back, and if they crossed and they lost their memory. Yeah, you know, how did that work? Because they have all their memories. Right. 
Okay, I'm confused now. I'm trying yeah. to think back. It's never been addressed by the show at all. Huh, interesting. So that's interesting. Okay, so somebody, WML, who is a regular uh, commenter, and I think she listens to the show too. WML, if you're out there, say hi. Um, hi. So she wrote, I think it's a she, I watched the last, and she's a diehard fan of the show. Mm-hmm. I watched the last few minutes of the show. While well acted, I didn't like what they have done to Rumpel. Robert Carlyle is a great actor. I feel betrayed by the series creators. This was a show that I loved. Now the writers have decided to take a show to a, the show to a different place, a place I am unwilling to follow. Haven't watched a whole lot of once this season. In fact, March is only going to mark a change of seasons, not the show's revival. At least the second series of Broadchurch is almost here. Yay! Um, everybody should be watching that when it comes. I can't believe that Once Upon a Time Overlords found it so easy to destroy what was once the most fascinating show on television. I w- this isn't me, by the way. This is a commenter. I was annoyed right. when they killed Neil, and unbelievably they decided to crush the most interesting character in the show. Robert Carlyle is a great actor. He deserves a lot better than what the Once writers have given him. As Dahlia yells at Wallace as he gets thrown out of the car, goodbye. Wow. Dahlia is. I mean, that's how a lot of us feel. And, and you know, the fact of the matter is is that the cast is phenomenal. They are very, very talented. Yeah. They are writing them. I mean, I would say, like I said, Regina, uh, Lana's storyline is probably the best one yeah. on the show yeah. at this point. I love her story. Um, and and I'm sad that and and you know what what a great noble sacrifice she makes, you know. Yeah. It's it's wonderful. It's really fabulous, and I love the way her character has come around. And I'm curious to see what's next for her. What does that sacrifice mean? Does it mean did that noble sacrifice mean that she does get her happy ending? That she is well, that's what a writer. I'm but well, see, I, I thought they were going to do that. I thought they were going to do that all season with her. I thought that's where they were going. And this whole idea of Rumpel looking for the author is like, yeah. and, and finding all these blank books. I'm like, dude, she's already rewritten her story. That's you right. You have to. I mean, see, that's the thing is they're they're they need they don't need to be overly explicit except that they've got. 14-year-olds watching the show. Um, right. Sorry, 14-year-olds. Um, but, I mean, they've got little kids watching the show, so they have to make it explicit. So, I mean, the, she's already rewritten the ending to her story. That's exactly. the thing. Why I do they need needs- to go further? Oh, oh, Jimmy's here. Yay. James, you've arrived. Hey. Hi, Jimmy. Hi, Join the party. We're having a we're having a happy Hanukkah first night of Hanukkah celebration. Let's talk TV, talking Once Upon a Time and Walking Dead. Ah, okay, <laughs> cool. So, what did you think about the the Once Upon a Time mid season finale? Um, I thought it was pretty good. I thought it was pretty consistent for the season. It's just yeah, still so hard to get past what Rumpel is now, and if you yeah. can. Forget yeah. what he was and just accept who he is. I thought it was a pretty good episode. And have you seen right. all of the the uh, fan wanking that the creators of the show have been doing? 
Well, no, he's no. always been about the power. He's always he's always oh. loved the power. He's always been, and they're trying like talk about fan linking. I mean, oh, I know. It's and, such you know, crap. No way. No way. It is, yep. and and actually, I think I'm actually going to finally write an article specifically about that. Um, and the same thing with Hook in reverse. Oh, Hook is just this really nice guy. Oh, my Like, give me a break. Um, I mean, I like Hook. Uh, I do. But um, I do think that they they just kind of redeemed him because they wanted to put him with Emma. And right. it's just, you know, I I don't know. I'm torn because I, I love Colin, you know me. But I'm torn about that. I mean, the fact of the matter is, is just that, he can't write a character for three and a half seasons one way and all of a sudden yank it out from it under everybody and go, oh, no, sorry, it was just, it was a faker. Sorry, that's not that's not who he is. He's all about power. But that's not how they, I, they wrote him. It's, well, yeah, but thank God Bell stood up to him, and that was a great yeah. scene. That it was. was. So, I, I thought it was, was really well, that scene was well acted and, and oh, well written yeah. for what it was. Right. The one scene with Rumpel I thought was weird in this episode was the one where he was in the car with Regina. Because I liked the scene, but I didn't understand why he went out there and got in her car and talked to her. Cause, I mean, my only theory was he was feeling her out for recruiting her to his you know, team-up that he's doing. But at that point, he didn't know he was being kicked out, so he wouldn't have been doing the team-up right. yet. So that confused yeah. me why he came out. Yeah. To gloat? Maybe to gloat? I don't know. I mean, I still enjoyed the interaction. It just felt a little out of place. Yeah, I mean, I always yeah. love their interaction together, and they've mm-hmm. always been a lot more subtle. Yeah. And, I mean, the show has lost all its subtlety anyway, but... <laughs> True. Anyway, so let's talk about the walk. Oh, so, by the way, um, you all you all saw the season finale of The Newsroom. Oh my, oh god. my god. Yes. I loved it. Of course. So good. Oh, oh man. Talk oh, about erasing like... your demons. Talk about erasing oh, your demons. I mean, uh, seriously. It was that nice bookend. I love how it tied into the pilot so heavily. It really oh, brought yeah. things back around. Oh yeah. yeah. Just beautiful, well, beautiful, that, beautiful. I love that we got to see, you know, in the beginning how how you know, how he went and got her, how Charlie went and got got her. And, you know, we got to see it. It was just a r- really, um, and, you know, we, we got to reminisce about a little bit about the season. You know, it was the series. It was just well, fantastic. It also gave Charlie plot because you yeah. you really wanted Charlie in the finale, but it would have been stupid to bring him back for nothing so or to right. just right. make an appearance. So by giving him that little story bit, it justified his being in that last episode. Right, exactly. right, and all those exactly. wonderful, all those wonderful Don Quixote references. Yes. Oh man, what a beautiful, beautiful ending to that show. And actually, I know that you'll say no, it'll never happen, but it acts because it is such a talk about a fairy tale ending, though. I mean, seriously, <laughs> totally fairy tale ending, fairy tale ending. Yeah, I mean, they totally I mean, could bring it back for a special, like an election yeah, they special. They won't. Yeah, they won't. Now, but you're right. election, election Eve special in November 2016. How about that, guys? See, I feel like, I, I mean, they are the type of show that 
if something in the news comes up that he wants to comment on, they should be able to bring him back. But I know. Well, I mean, look at what's going on right now. Sorkin's in the news right now railing against the media. And I'm just like, this is, don't take away his mouthpiece to rail against them. I know. We need that. We need that. We desperately need I mean, that. If they had a fourth season, you know all of this would be in season four. Yes. Totally, totally. Hey, guys, I had an idea for a new novel, though. Can I tell Ooh. you? Okay. Yeah. What is no, because oh. I've kind of I've hit a, just a little bit of the premise. So I don't know if you know that about 20 years ago, I wrote a novel that's a post-apocalyptic novel. Um, and I, told and I, me about it, I think. Right, and I trashed it because it was not well-written. And at this point in time, Almost everything that happens in the novel has already happened. <laughs> I'm like, geez. So never mind, right? <laughs> never mind. Okay, the stuff George, already happened. George H. W. Bush's stupid son will become president. What? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, so I, I kind of put it aside. Anyway, but I've always wanted to do a post-apocalyptic novel. And the zombie thing has been so overdone. So I was thinking to set a novel at the end of the zombie apocalypse. At the end. It's over. They found a way to fix it. (laughs) And it starts with... Whoa, whoa, whoa. It starts with this one person, and it's set in downtown Chicago which everything that I write set downtown Chicago. Um, and it's just this group of, you know, people who've created this. It's been a year since the apocalypse began. And it, it's not a zombie apocalypse. It's like a, a plague, like, you know, the Black Death kind of thing. Yeah. And people are just dying and dead and stuff. Um, and But they still have to survive and not because there's no infrastructure or anything. And it starts with helicopters dropping leaflets. That says, please go into your house, drat, take all of your dead out of anyone who's dead or dying, needs to be bring brought out into dead. the street. Yeah, bring out your dead. Um, and um, put them in the streets and go into your homes and close all, you know, board everything up and turn on your emergency broadcast system. You will hear information in 24 hours, but don't go out of the house till then. And this group hears um, these helicopters and planes going overhead all night long and and uh, sees flashes and stuff like that. And they, they're told they can come out 24 hours later and they come out. And all of the, the dead people are gone. Everything's gone. But the streets are cleaned up. Everything is gone. And um, a, the voice comes on to the emergency broadcast system that says, it's now safe to come out of your homes. We have found a cure. Everything will go back to normal. We are the government. And it turns out that the government of the United States, at the very beginning of this, all went to this safe location, along with all the CEOs of all the major like banking institutions and stuff like that. Of course they did. Yes. And while all these people, like 90% of the population of the U.S. is dead, and we're all going to go back to normal. Well, of course, that's not going to happen, right? Because these people have been on survival mode for a year. Right. And the people are also wanting to get on with their lives. So there's a struggle 
between these people who say, what the fuck is happening here? Right. And people who just want to get on with their lives now that everything is better. So, and it takes off from there. Oh, that could be interesting. It'd be interesting you have to, if the, well, I know you'd write the characters really, you know, struggling. Yeah, so my main characters, so my main characters are this um, guy who was sort of like, he was smart guy, but kind of aimless um, mm-hmm. before, um, you know, and, and uh, who really kind of found purpose in this whole aftermath. And like Daryl? Um, sort of like Daryl, sort of. I'm not going to Played gonna by write. Robert Carlyle? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Of course. So, you know, or Norman Reedus would work too. Um, but, you oh, know, I mean. Yeah, some... Well, you know, they have to play father and son in your story. <laughs> they could be. <laughs> they could. They got the hair. Yeah, but there's not that much difference in their ages. There's like. Eight years, six years difference in their ages. That's it? Yeah, Robert. You can age Carlisle up a little and age Reedus down a little. It'll be fine. Norman Reedus is 45, almost 46. No way. He's anywhere near that old. He's my era baby. He is is my era baby. He's a 60s boy, yeah. Uh, uh, He's younger than Crazy. He's younger than me. Reedus could pass for early 30s. Yeah, and he could. Carlisle could definitely pass for late fifties, so that yeah. gives, that would be father son. Yeah, Carlisle's fifty. Yeah. So Carlisle's fifty three and Rita's is forty six. That's okay. So, so you could do it. You can do it. Yeah. Oh, they totally. They t- they they actually. Or they could don't. play brothers. Brothers. They could play brothers. Cast. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Carlisle's younger than Michael Rooker. Yeah. So. There you go. There you go. Oh, they totally, I mean, they look, you know, they're actually, their builds are similar enough. Mm-hmm. And they look similar enough, um, sort of. Um, but the accent just, would be the biggest, biggest obstacle there. Yeah, I don't know. I've never seen Carlisle do a, um, an American accent. Maybe Rita's could do British. He could, because, you know, all the characters in my novels are always British. <laughs> there you go. And he's been hanging anyway, around with all those British actors on the set of The Walking Dead for so long. Surely he's I picked know. Up. I know. I know. And and it wouldn't have to be a southern accent, although I suspect a southern accent would be easier for Carlisle to do than a midwestern accent. So, and Redis is not I'm a just southern. I'm glad that you're setting it in Chicago, because The Walking Dead spinoff officially announced today that they're set in L.A. And I am so mad because every freaking one of these stories is set in L.A. or New York. Oh, Chicago is, you know, downtown Chicago. Chicago would be more interesting, yeah. And Chicago architecture. I mean, just the architecture of the city is, and with the lake, it's just like, I mean, it's got the lake, you know, it's got the shore like L.A. does, but um, it's, it's the architecture of the city is so incredible. Um, I mean, I think so, Columbus would make an even better setting. But if you're going to go, you know. <laughs> well, anyway, so and so the so that's my protagonist. He was sort of like a drifter, not real educated kind of guy, but very smart. And he actually, the the female protagonist is um, a chemistry professor who um, 
was uh, was during the year became a chemical weapons expert to fight off the bad guys. So she's kind of a badass. And but she's like like a chemistry professor. She's like an intellectual. And um he actually becomes a journalist that fights this government by word of you know by by the by the pen rather than by the the sword as it were. So um so anyway that's the premise. Interesting. Well, sounds good. I mean I mean there could be flashbacks to the right, sort of you know apocalypse time that that year um whether they're zombies or nanobots or whatever. Um you know there they there will be like nightmares and flat cuz they all have PTSD of course. Mm-hmm. Um of course. But yeah, so that's kind of the premise of the new novel. Because I haven't seen anything that that I haven't seen or read anything that's been set after it's over. <laughs> well, the the leftovers. Uh, it's not zombie apocalypse, but the leftovers, which has been made yeah. into an HBO show, is right. set three years after a cataclysmic event, and it's right. all about people moving on with their lives and stuff. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. But it's only, and that was only with two percent of the world's population. Yeah, involved. yeah, very minor number, but it's still affected. Yours sounds like a drastically different world, which... Yeah, I mean, the infrastructure... Right, infrastructure is gone, you know, and and the government is controlling when there's electricity and when there's not, and people start disappearing, and it's the scientists, and it's the journalists, and the people who could change what's going on are actually disappearing. did, Did the government start the virus because they were... The ninety-nine percent movement got too big, and the team it was, wanted to wipe out the little guy. No, that's it was what a, I was just saying. No, it, it was. I don't. I, you know, I don't want to necessarily go there. Um, it's too obvious. Yeah, I, I would say that it was more a mistake. Okay. Huh. And which would have given them time to relocate people. Right. So anyway, but, but that's kind of that's, you can also explore. You, you know, once you you're living and you're just like like for instance, you know how the characters on The Walking Dead are. I mean, it's just it's you're in survival mode twenty four seven. How do you right. how do you come down from that? Because exactly, and that's something you, The Walking Dead will definitely be tackling in future seasons if it follows the comics. Yeah. But yeah, that's the right that's the right there. Thing to pick at. I think so too. Yeah. How do they come back from that? How does this guy who had been a nothing in the time before, who kind right. of was a hero during it, and who is he now? You know, he's back to being a nothing again. And or is he? You know. And so it's it's like how do their 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 lives in this year that have changed? And it's not a really long time, but in that year. How did the changes that have happened to them reflect on who they become? And then, of course, you have the you know the whole government thing and right. uh, how people take it. You know, are people going to be so relieved that they've got their computers and television and everything back? Or but it's not on but it's not on their terms. It's on government terms. Yeah, but Which people are very little... accepting of stuff like that. Which is, yeah, so that's, which that's is what I. Right. So that's I mean, what that's I want to explore. Thing. 
I think you should do that because you know what? I have. I, I just want to say this, and you know, whatever. I, this whole cloud thing, you know, everybody, everybody uploading all your stuff and saving mm-hmm. all your stuff on cloud. You you understand why that is, right? I mean, because it gives it gives the government easy access to all your stuff. I don't care how many how many passwords you have or you think it's secure, it yeah. isn't. And so that's why but it gives you easy everybody. access too. Yeah, and see, that's the thing is is there's always in political theory, in political theory, there's always this tension between personal freedom and. Um, security and how much are you willing to give of your personal freedom for security and convenience and that's the thing that we are all in convenience mode i mean everybody has Mm -hmm. the the phone everybody everything that all of the new electronics that is out there and all the updating and the storage and all that i mean i'm not saying you know whatever it's not like i have anything to hide but i'm just saying it makes it that much easier for our government to access stuff, and I'm not saying government, but even even just even people we don't, you know, even people that might just want your your stuff. I mean, it's all out there. It's just on the internet. What is the internet? It's a big black hole, basically, you know. And, so so uh, anyway, but I like your your story. It would be actually, an interesting twist. It might make a fun television series. Yeah, I was thinking, actually, you know what I was thinking when you were telling me? It was like a web series would be epic to put together. It could be epic. It that. could be, but I don't have the, I don't have the, I'm not a producer. Well, that's all right. I know people. <laughs> I know <laughs> And Jimmy people. knows people. I know. I don't know people. That's why I released mine as text only. <laughs> because it was, I, do. <laughs> I wanted to film it, but it just wasn't going to come together in a way I would have been satisfied with. I'm a writer. I don't want to be a producer. I'm a writer. Um, yeah, you could you could release it as a web text series, and maybe somebody would option it. Oh, there you go. Hmm. You, could you could actually, you know, you could do an Indiegogo campaign and and raise the money, and then oh, you know what? Whoa, whoa, whoa! Wait a second. So I, I, you know, I mean, I know some people who are pretty kick-ass graphic artists, people, comic book artists. Mm-hmm. That could be fun to do it as a as yeah. A, you could do it as a comic book. Hell yeah! Not a comic That'd book, be but epic. an interact, but it, but it, like a web series, like a comic. Yeah. Motion like comic. Hmm. Or like a motion comic, or just a standard. I don't drawing. know. I don't know. I don't know. I have to give it some well, thought. Well, if, if it goes it to over. series and you need a writing staff, I'd like to go ahead and apply for a job. <laughs> Cool. Just, just cool. putting it out there right now. <laughs> that sounds like a fun project to work on. I, you know, That's I have funny. to discuss this with my agent. This, this could be some interesting stuff. Yeah. See. Yeah. Cool so anyway, I'm sorry. It's like I took up the last like five minutes of the show talking about this, but it's you know I was like thinking about it, and I was like, okay, so how do I do something that isn't The Walking Dead? Because I've been immersing myself in that world now like for, mm-hmm. you know, weeks. And I've watched every episode five million times. And, five um, million? That seems like an exact Not many. Not that many. Maybe two or three. Um, two or three million? No, two or three times. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm, I'm working my way through season four again, um, which I really liked. <laughs> I'm really liking kind of watching Daryl from season two. 
funny. Well, I, I just, it's hilarious to see him with the short hair. Now, you know, I love his hair. Not only short hair. And, everything and, and even not Rick, only sh- I mean, oh, yeah, like shaven and, you know, he's got his little crew cut going on. <laughs> and, then, and now all of a sudden, you know, that down from, from the beginning and now, you know, season five, it's just hilarious to see where everybody. Oh, well, you see them all, like, changing. I mean, you have Daryl, yeah. who the beginning of season one has, I mean, it's it makes sense for their hair to get longer and longer and longer. Yeah. But, I mean, he's blonde in season one. Yeah, he is. Because that's, that's, that's Rita's normal hair color. He's blonde. Mm-hmm. And they darkened his hair. So by season, the second half of season two, his hair is darker. And now that's his hair funny. is really dark. So, um and he's also gotten more, you know, more muscular as the seasons have gone on, which I suppose oh, yeah. makes sense. That was, that's that. realistic, though, I think. The muscular. That is. Carrying around well, yeah, that oh, can't be easy. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And carrying damage. Although they should all be pretty thin at this point. Yeah, well, they are. I mean, they are. I mean, those guys are. Most I mean, you of know, them, not all of them. Not all is Tyrese. He's still a pretty big guy. Yeah, Tyrese like Eugene, is pretty big. You know? Eugene. I, I suspect yeah. that Eugene was pretty well fed. Yeah, really? I don't think Eugene is, well, maybe his arms are. I don't know. I didn't, I don't think of him as a muscle guy. I mean, really? Rick is. Rick is, like, always been oh. slim, but he's, like, well, MG. So you haven't had an abundance of food source, so they should all be looking a little starved at this point, which they yeah. don't. But. Which they don't. No, they don't. Well, Rick does. Yeah. Carol does. Rick, yeah, Rick Rick got really thin. But yeah, other than him. Right. Carol does. Yeah. Daryl is always pretty thin. Yeah. Daryl is slim, but his those muscles mask that. Yeah. So, because his clothes are all baggy on him, it looks like, in season five. So, um but yeah. So anyway. Well, we're out of time. We're like been out of time. Um, but the show continues to record. So people yeah. who are listening in, um, can, are listening, and but people in the chat room got cut off. But um, anyway, so um, see you guys all next week. Thanks for coming in. Yeah. Okay, let's think good. about what we're going to talk about next week. Um, well, we'll you got the Helix screener. We could talk about Helix. Oh, yeah. I want to. Oh, Helix. Yeah. Or Galavant. I love Galavant. They just put Okay, I'm going to give. I'm giving Galavant. Another, I'm giving it. I've yeah, got, I I've got like, like the it. first, what, four or five episodes? Something like that. Of what? Of Galavant. Of Oh, yeah, yeah. They have six episodes now. I've only watched the first one. But oh, are there six now? Okay, so... Yeah, okay. there's only going to be eight, so they've given us three quarters of the season. Okay, that sounds cool. And then um, I've watched Downton Abbey and... Um, yeah, you can start watching that. Um, so anyway, yeah, we can talk about all that stuff next week. Cool. Sounds good. All right, good. guys. All right. Bye, guys. Later. Have a okay. day. Have All right, bye. Good night. Good night, everyone. Bye. Bye.